kids are dismissed to their core kids' classes, if you would open your Bibles as you're standing to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 20. The book of Exodus chapter 20, and we are going to read from verse 8 to verse 11. When you got it, say so. And it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that we can come to you as your sons and as your daughters, and we can be embraced by you, Lord God. We thank you so very much for that truth. We thank you because as much as we want more, you want us to have more of you. We thank you this day, Lord God, for the privilege that we have to sing songs of worship unto you. And Lord, this morning as we have sung, we also pray that you would give us the ability to be captivated by your truth, that we would hear your voice this morning through your word, that we would worship you in our attentiveness, that we would worship you in our response to the truth of your word. God, we thank you for this reality. Let us live for your glory and for your honor in all things. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so if you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and hold it up, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. Very important that you have the outline. We want you to follow along uh, in the introduction of the sermon for sure. Uh, we also want to make sure that you can answer the questions that are in there. They're introspective for you to search your own heart. Um, take some notes throughout the sermon as well. And then, as I always want to remind you, you are a disciple of Jesus. If you are one who says that Jesus is your Lord and Jesus is your Savior, that means that you are a disciple of Jesus. Therefore, you are called to be a disciple maker. And the way that you help someone grow in their faith is by sharing God's word with them. And so what is easy uh, for you to do is to take what you're learning on Sunday and make an appointment with somebody to help them to learn more. And you simply share what you learned on Sunday. So that's a tool for you to utilize. And I want to remind you that if you are not discipling someone else, if you are not helping someone else grow in, your, grow in their faith, you're not being a faithful disciple of Jesus. This is not something that's just for pastors or just for leaders or for other people. This is for everyone who has named Jesus Lord. We're supposed to help other people grow in their faith. That's what it means to be a disciple maker. And so my challenge is always going to be that, that you will utilize this as a tool, but not just this, that you make it a point to help someone else grow in their faith. And so we're continuing in our not optional series, and we are in the last commandment of the 
vertical commands. And so the first four commandments, and there's some debate on the, on the, um, the Ten Commandments and how they were written on the tablets, you know, by looking at the book of Exodus. Moses is up on the mountain with the Lord, and God writes these commandments with his finger on these tablets that he gives to Moses. And so some people think that there was five on one tablet, five on the other, four on one tablet, three on the other, you know, all of that right there. But here's what we do know for certain. All of that doesn't matter because God doesn't give us clarification. That's why people argue about it. Hello, somebody. All right, so whatever. You know, if you want three, it's three. If you want six, it's six. I really don't care. But what I do know is that if you look at the Ten Commandments and you break them down, what you have is this. You have four commands that are vertical. In other words, those commands deal directly with you and your relationship with God. So you should have no other gods before him, that first command. That's about you and God, you having no other God before him. You should have no idols before him. So that's you and God again. You have no idols. While people can become idols, it's still a vertical command. You should not take the name of the Lord in vain. How many of y'all struggle with that this week? How many of you just realized this week like 19 times on Sunday that you were using the name of the Lord in vain, right? I was in a leaders meeting and I did it twice. Are you here? Right? Like really spiritual your bishop is. I was like, oh my. And so anyway, Pastor Aldo called me out. I appreciate that, the accountability. Um, he's let me know, yeah, that was in vain. I'm like, whatever. It wasn't in, but, but, but it is easy, right, to use that. But again, that is between me and the Lord. And then this fourth command, which is to keep the Sabbath day holy, that again is between me and God, right? It's about my relationship with him. So I want you to think about that because all of these four have been about the, the, the vertical relationship with you and the Lord. Now the rest that we're going to deal with starting next week when we deal with honoring your father and your mother and those types of things, those are the horizontal, right? Those are the ones that are between you and man. And remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? You remember his response. His response was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, upon these two hang all of the law and the prophets. So what was he saying? He's saying basically all of the law is about two, two commands, and it's subject to this, loving your God and loving other people. And so the way you love other people, we'll start dealing with that next week. But here's what I want you to realize is that our ability, hear this now, to love others is directly connected to our ability to love God. If we are going to love others the way that God wants us to love them, we are going to have to love him above everything else, the way that he says to love him. Not the way you want to love him or I want to love him, but the way that he says to love him. He gives us some clear mandates and he shows us these things. And so today, we're going to look at the Sabbath, right? And is the Sabbath optional? Look at your outline there, first paragraph. God's laws are meant to be obeyed, and in that obedience, our lives are are to reflect the benefits and blessing that God alone offers us. James said this. He said that every good gift comes from where? Above. Comes from our Father above. Every good thing we have comes from him. And every one of God's commands is meant for one thing, and that's our good. In the natural, it is meant for our good, and the second thing would be primarily his glory. But when it comes to us, why does God give us commands? He doesn't give us commands because he's mean, because he's nasty, because, he, because he's a control freak. That's not why, right? He gives us commands because he loves us, and he wants us to experience his best. And so the only way that you and I are going to experience God's best in our life is through what? It's through obedience to what he commands. 
It's by obeying what he says. It's by responding to him in the affirmative. As every time I get up here and I pray before I preach, if you've been here for a while, you'll know this. If this is your first day, you'll see this. And if you come back, you'll see I'll pray it next week. I may not pray the exact same words before I preach, but I pray around the same principle. And it is that we would not just be hearers of God's word, but that we would be doers of it. That we would respond to God in faith because James tells us again, he says what? Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And so if we want to see what God has for us, we have to obey his commands. And so when we're looking at the Sabbath, this is the same. The same truth remains that when we obey God, when it comes to the Sabbath, then we're going to see his best. We're going to see his blessing the way that he wills. Look at the second paragraph here. Today, with smartphones and laptops, virtual offices and the like, we see many American workers burnt out or on the brink of, work, of burnout. This is based on statistics. Most of us just get by when it comes to how we live, but is this God's design? Does God just want you just to get by that you're always dragging you know, in through life, that you're always worn out? Is that what God wants? I don't think that's what God wants. That's why he gave us the principle and command of the Sabbath. Now look at this, and, 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 and all of this is dependent, right, on what your job is, because some of you may not work on a laptop, work on a computer, you may not do any of that, and so that you may not experience this, but for the rest of the people that do, right, as companies continue to move forward apart from manual labor, then guess what? These are realities. So look at this statistic. This is from 2014. One reason workers may feel burnt out is that they only use around half of their eligible paid vacation time and paid time off. A 2014 survey by Careers website, um, Glad, Glad, Glassdoor, of 2,300 workers who received paid vacation um, concluded, concluded this. So look, some 61% of American workers, while they're on vacation, despite complaints from family, it found that they were doing what? That they were, that they're working. It, it, a one, one in four reported being contacted by a colleague about a work-related matter while, while taking time off, while one in five have been contacted by their boss. Right, so if you're, if you're self-employed, you're like, well, my boss is not contacting me. Well, maybe other people are, right? So there's, the, the thing is this. When you look at these statistics, these statistics are showing us what? That people are burnt out, they're tired, but it's because of what? Because they're ignoring the principle of Sabbath. They're ignoring what the Sabbath is supposed to be about. And so last paragraph here, the Sabbath is one of the most controversial of the Ten Commandments. And yet there is clear biblical truth in both the Old and New Testament to clarify where the church should stand with regards to the Sabbath. Now, if you don't know this, um, you'll know this now, but you probably drove on your way here, you drove by a Seventh-day Adventist church, probably. You may not even notice, but maybe you do. And that church called the Seventh-day Adventists, they're waiting, right? They're waiting the return of Christ. But there is one thing that you will notice. Today, their parking lot was not full, unless there's a church that's worshiping there on Sunday. But if it's just the Seventh-day Adventist church, unless they're having a meeting there, their parking lot was empty. You know why? Because they worshiped yesterday. And one of their contentions is that Saturday is the day that you're supposed to worship, and it's based upon this command here and what God talks about, this being a continual, uh, perpetual command and a, and a sign of the covenant. And then there's another group of people that you may have driven by one of their churches as well, and they're called Messianic Jews. And these are Jewish people who believe they're either Jewish, you know, and, and, and they're growing up, or they're Jewish in their conversion, or they're Jewish by their last name or something like that. There's a lot of Hispanics that are Jewish that don't even realize it, but nonetheless... 
Here's the reality. A lot of them are part of this new, and I'll call it a new movement, which is this messianic Jewish movement. And they will contend that you are supposed to do what? Worship on Saturday. And they will argue this point with you vehemently. And because you worship on Sunday, man, there's something wrong with you. You could potentially be going to hell because you are disobeying the commands of God. And so the question is, are they right? The question is, is that accurate? And here's what I want you to understand, and we're going to deal with that. I'm not going to answer that question right now, but what I want you to understand is that it's a debated topic, right? It's something that, well, hey, man, we worship on Sunday. Well, we worship on Saturday, so who's right? We'll deal with that in a moment. But what I want you to get is this big idea this morning. The Sabbath teaches us that rest is really an act of worship. Did you hear that? You should have got excited about that because I just like, I just totally affirmed your nap that you're about to go tape, right? Take I mean, just don't take it right now, right? Later on, but, but, but it's not good to nap in church, right? I know some people like to do that. I preach long enough to see, and I'm sorry. But, um, but nonetheless, right, the reality is that rest, right, is an act of worship. The Sabbath is, it points that, points that out to us and lets us know that rest is not something that is optional. It is something that's necessary to the degree that if you do not rest sufficiently, you will get sick. Your body will tell you you need to rest. Your body will communicate at some point of you running and gunning and doing all that you do. Hey, man, slow down. Your body's going to do it because automatically we were created with a need for rest. And so we'll deal with that. First thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must understand, we must understand the, origin the origin and regulations of the Sabbath. We must understand the origin and regulations of the Sabbath. And so typically I would run through these scriptures and just kind of break them down in Exodus. But I want to run through this for the first point, and then we're going to deal with a couple of other scriptures. So let's start off in verse 8. It says this. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Command, not suggestion. It's a command. Remember the Sabbath day. Take a moment. And, and notice this is the first one of these commands that he says remember something. Right? And telling you to remember something is because it's something that has been established for a while. Remember this day. Every week, remember this day. This is something special about this day. Look what he says in the next verse, verse 9. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. And so I want to pause because what I'm going to talk about in a little while is I'm going to talk about how when you really Sabbath the way the Bible talks about, here's what happens you begin to develop a solid work ethic. Because what you will do is you will, you will position yourself to work hard for six days looking forward to that seventh day of rest. So this is what's supposed to, again, the Sabbath doesn't just regulate rest, it regulates work. It shows you how you're supposed to work. Verse 10 he says, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, all the children in the house said amen, right? Nor your daughter, nor your male servant, all employees said amen, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, your cattle is saying amen, um, <laughs> nor your stranger who is within your gates. Nobody was supposed to work on this day. This is a holy day to the Lord, and on the sea, he says, and look what he says. This is why he's saying, remember this. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. 
He blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy. He makes this day holy. He makes this day a separated day. And so the origin of the Sabbath can be found. You can write this down. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. God does what? He creates all things in six days. On the seventh day, the Bible says what? He rested from his work. He completed creation. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. This, this act in and of itself, it, co- it, it goes in the face of macroevolution. In other words, how people believe that you can affirm from the Bible uh, revolu- or evolution in some particular way, shape, or form. The reality is God says, no, I finished everything in six days. Now everything was ready to produce after its own kind. Things weren't being created anymore after day six. Amen? Amen. And so you might have microevolution, you know, small things, you know, changing, whatever the case is, but not macroevolution the way that our evolutionists and atheists may try to make us believe or make us think. And so again, God finishes his work in those six days, and then on day seven, he does what? He sits back, has a lemonade. Hello, somebody. He sits back. He's like, all right, we're done. I'm, I'm, I finished. He's like, I did a good thing. It's real good. Everything is wonderful. And now we're good, right? Everything is the way that it is supposed to be. And so God rests on this seventh day. And so what happens is this is a day that is holy. It is a day that is to be remembered, right? And then we see that by this, that this is a regulation. This is a law that God gives. And you can write these scriptures down as well. Exodus 31, 12 through 18, it gives us further regulations on the Sabbath and what's supposed to happen and what is not supposed to happen. And then you can write this one down. This one's really important for you to show you how serious God is about this Sabbath. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 to 36. There's a guy there who is caught on the Sabbath day gathering sticks. And when he is caught gathering sticks, guess what ends up happening? They bring him before the people. They're like, hey, what are we supposed to do? The Lord says, stone him. So it's in there. God was serious about the Sabbath. He was serious about rest to the point that, look, the Bible tells us, and we'll talk about this next week when we talk about honoring parents. The scripture says in the, in the word of God that if a child is being disrespectful to their parent, they are to be stoned to death. Can I tell you something? There is no record in scripture that there was ever a child stoned for dishonoring their parents. And I assure you there were some dishonorable kids. Hello, somebody. But I would assume they're a little bit less dishonorable than our kids today. And I'm going to save this for next week. I'll say it again next week. But the reality is there wasn't no popo coming and be like, I'm going to arrest my dad because he beat me. Uh-uh, you getting beat. Hello, somebody. Right? It was like back in my day, like when I was younger and my mom was younger and, you know, you was getting whooped. I mean, whooped for real. And there was no police coming to your rescue. They might have came and helped and be like, hold on, they need another smack. Glory to God. Right? <laughs> Like I'm just so, so so there was none of that, but nonetheless, we see how serious God is about the Sabbath to the point that there is a record in Scripture of someone being stoned because they were breaking the Sabbath law. And so we realize that God is serious about that. So what did God do? God modeled rest for us. It wasn't because God was tired. He's like, yo, it's been six days of hard work, right? Like God spoke and it's done. Like there was no effort coming from God. Like it really it was really hard. Like he was, he was molding Adam from the dust. and was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like stressing. Like there was none of that, right? It was, it was, it was, it was, it was effortless because this is God, right? So he does it. So he's not tired, but he's modeling something for us. He's saying, because I'm not tired, that does not mean you're not going to be tired. 
You see, you are going to work hard, and you're going to be worn out after day six, and you're going to need to rest. You're going to need to have some kind of Sabbath. And so actually, the Sabbath was regulated for sure. There were regulations to the Sabbath. There were certain things that shouldn't have happened on the Sabbath day, but here's what was happening. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, the Pharisees had so overwhelmed the Sabbath with regulations that now the Sabbath was binding instead of liberating. So, for example, you couldn't walk 3,000 feet based upon the rabbinical writings uh, in the Sabbath day. So if Pastor Aldo, let's just say, he was like, check this out, bro. I got a car for you. It is free of charge, but it is exactly 3,005 feet away from you. You can only get it today. Tomorrow, it's gone. Guess what? No blessing. Because according to them, I couldn't walk. And we'll see it clearly in the scripture. And so they, they regulated this day. And so what is it? It is important that we realize that for Israel, the Sabbath, the Sabbath was not optional. What do I mean by that? He said this. On the seventh day, your sons, your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, your cattle, no one is to do work. He didn't say, well, you know what? Your kids haven't worked hard enough this week. Let them work hard on the seventh day. He didn't say, well, you know what, your cattle didn't pull anything all week, so you know what, they're going to go ahead and you just work them on the seventh day. He didn't say, when you come to the seventh day, if you don't feel tired, don't rest, just do what you want to do. That isn't what he said. He said, this is not an optional thing. It is something that is commanded for us, right? It was for us to do what he said. It was, and this is what the word Sabbath means. It means Shabbat, right? Or, or the word is Shabbat. And what it means, it means to stop or to cease work. That's what it means to do. It means literally to stop, to pause, to say, I'm, okay, this time out, right? We're stopping the normal grind. We're not going to continue in that everyday thing that you're doing every week. Like with that, that nine to five or nine to nine or whatever it is that you go to, that job, there needs to be a point in the week where it stops. There needs to be a time where you turn it off. There needs to be a time that you pull away from that and that you just rest and you reflect and you bring glory and honor to me. That's the purpose of that. It's a moment for us to refocus, which is going to bring us to the next point, which is what is the purpose of the Sabbath. See, I want you to get this before we answer that question. What's the purpose of the Sabbath? When you Sabbath the way that God wants you to Sabbath, not only do you become physically better, but you're supposed to become spiritually stronger. Because a Sabbath day is not just a day for you to veg out in front of the TV and, hey, feel free to do all that, have your time that you do that. But it is a time for you to reflect on the goodness of God. It is a time for you to worship him. It is a time for you to say, thank you, God, for those six weeks that were terrible, that were difficult, that were overwhelming. But thank you for the job that I hate. Hello. Thank you for that, for, for, for the grind that is there. Thank you that I have to grind. Hello, somebody. Because there's some people, they're wishing they could grind, right? Like they, like they don't have a job. They don't have the ability. They're, they're struggling, right? And so God is saying, this is what that day is supposed to be. So the second thing, ask you to repeat after me to say, we must embrace the purpose of the Sabbath. We must embrace the purpose of the Sabbath. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2 because I want you to see this from Jesus' own words. And we just came out of a series in the Gospel of Mark, so you should be familiar with this passage. But in the, in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees as usual. And he is dealing with a situation here that has to do with the Sabbath. And so Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to verse 28, and it says this. It says, now it happened. That he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And so what were his disciples doing? 
They were walking through a field they had to eat. They were hungry, right? And so as they're walking through this field, they want to eat something, and so they are grabbing these heads of grain because they're going to eat them. And so the, according to the rabbinic law, again, you couldn't go like this with the grain because that was work. What kind of stupidity is that? But nonetheless, right, couldn't do that. So according to Sabbath law, you couldn't light a fire. That's what I'm saying. Like when people start saying they're keeping the Sabbath, like, I'm, I'm really? Are you sure? Because I don't know that you're keeping it away. But anyway, they're there. They're going through the, they're going through the grain field, so they do that. So look what happens. And, and the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he, went in, when, he, when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. Hello, somebody. So he says something that was totally unlawful, God didn't strike David dead for, and you're going to tell my disciples they can't eat when they're hungry. And so he points that out, and look what Jesus goes on to say. This, this is, gets to the heart of the purpose. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I made the Sabbath for you, not to make you a slave to it. Are you here? I made the Sabbath so you could rest so you could worship, so you could refresh. I made the Sabbath for your benefit. I didn't make it so you would be a slave to it, which is what the Pharisees wanted. And then Jesus says in verse 28, therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And so while we should clearly see the origin and the regulations for the Sabbath, we should also understand the purpose. In short, the Sabbath was established with us in mind. The Sabbath was meant to be freeing, not binding, which is what the Pharisees made it. Here we go. The purpose of the Sabbath was to ensure that we rested weekly that we rested annually, that we even rested in, in the seventh year according to the Bible. They rested weekly on that Saturday because that's the day. So, you know, for those of you that have a Hispanic background, Sabado, hello. That's where you get Sabbath from, right? And so Sabbath, Shabbat. So that was the day that they were supposed to have their time of reflection. They were supposed to do that. And then they were also supposed to have annual times of Sabbath. They had Sabbath feast. And then, not only that, but they also had every seventh year, they weren't supposed to do anything in the land. They were supposed to let the land refresh itself. So God even thought about what? He thought about the earth. It all needed to rest, to be replenished, to be refreshed. And so God does this with us in mind. And so the command to, to observe the Sabbath combined with Jesus' teaching should remind us that rest is imperative to our spiritual well-being. Rest is imperative to our spiritual well-being. Not only is it about our physical body, but it is about our spiritual lives. It's about coming back and saying, God, I, I need to pause for a moment and I need to recognize you because what happens is this. When we Sabbath, you know what it liberates us from? It liberates us from self-reliance. When we Sabbath, it liberates us from being workaholics. Hello, somebody. When we Sabbath, it helps us not to forget who God is. Are you here? See, when we Sabbath, what I'm saying is, you know what? I can't do it, so why am I going to try to kill myself for these seven days? I'm going to keep working and working and working, trying to do something that God is the only one who can do. Because he is the one who is our provider. He, listen, he doesn't want me to kill myself. He wants me to work hard, but he wants me to rest as well. He wants me to do that. And so the purpose, again, is to keep us free from that idol of work, that idol of money, to keep us free from that idol of progress. Hello, somebody. 
that sometimes we become so overwhelmed by. And the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. We must practice the principles of the Sabbath. We must practice the principles of the Sabbath. And so here's the question, and we always go to the New Testament on this. So what does this commandment mean for us today? What is it? Because everything that I just said right now, I'm talking directly and specifically about Israel. But what does the Sabbath mean for us today? There's some questions we want to think about. Are we bound to the Sabbath laws? So are we bound to do the Sabbath the way that we, we see in the scriptures here, that, that we can't do anything? Is, is, is that what it means? How can we really practice, right, these principles? Must we worship on Saturday? Let me just answer that real quick. No. All right, I'll make that one easy for you, right? There's no guessing. It's not, it's not just Saturday. That's not a reality. That's not truth. We'll see that. But here's a big question for some of you that is very important. I need you to get this. Even though I just said no to Saturday, is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? See, now here's the question. Is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? Now, for me to say yes to that question would mean that there's some kind of law that I can go back to and say, hey, this is it. And I'm going to answer the question for you, no. It's not. Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. However, there's always a however. However, Sunday is a day that seemed to be established biblically for the church to come together and worship God. It was a day, and I'm going to give you some scripture to look at that. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. It talks about what? It talks about them gathering together on the first day of the week, and they were there to hear God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, it tells us what? It talks about them coming together on the first day of the week and separating an offering unto the Lord on the first day of the week. And then when you look at the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, the apostle John, who's the writer of the book of Revelation, it says, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And when he's talking about the Lord's day, there has to be a designation to what that day is. And so Sunday was the Lord's day. The first day of the week became the Lord's day. And let me see if you guys are smarter than the people from first service. Okay? Who was it that rose on the first day? I only got four more. I don't know. Pastor, Pastor I, don't, I think we got to start over. Right? I heard you. And Pastor Alvo gives you extra credit because he was here first service. But, but hold on. But listen. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Amen. If anyone ever asks you that again, like be like, on the first day of the week. I know what you're thinking like, but did he rise on the third day? Yes, but that was the first day of the week. Hallelujah. That's why y'all were confused. Like, is this a trick question? No, it's not a trick question. There's only one person that we worship who rose on Sunday, right? One, Jesus. Don't you guys know the right answer is always? Jesus. Hello, you're in church. No trick question, right? Even if it looks like a squirrel, if it looks like a whatever, what is it? Jesus, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. So, so who rose on the first day? Jesus. You guys are amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the reason why they began to worship on the first day was because Jesus rose on the first day. And so throughout church history, the church gathered weekly, and they had a celebration. But you know by reading the book of Acts, they didn't just meet on Sunday. They met every day. They were together every day. And we also know that when Paul was asked this question about what to tell the Gentiles, what did he tell them about the, the laws? Did he ever bring up the Sabbath? No. He never did. 
He never communicated that. And here's what I want you to do. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, because I want you to see this. This is very important for you when you have discussions with those, with, and, and I'm not going to call them non-brothers or sisters, but when you have those conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ who worship on Saturday and who feel like Saturday is the day to worship, and they are judging you because you're not worshiping on that day, and they feel like they're more spiritual or something like that, you need to bring them right here in love and grace and humility, and you need to say, friend, check this out. Um, Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 it says this so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come but the substance is of Christ that's pretty clear is it not and for some of your friends, they're going to be real smart, and they're going to say, well, that's a, that, that is, that, that is um, Sabbaths. They're going to say there's an S there. So that means what? It's plural, right? So we're getting some grammar here. And they're like, he's not talking about the Sabbath. He's talking about the Sabbaths. And what I want you to do is take them back to Exodus chapter 31 where I was talking to you about, and there, because there, I believe, is where it talks about Sabbath and Sabbaths interchangeably. And so the point is, God is saying, don't let anyone judge you when it comes to the Sabbath. Don't let anyone judge you if you don't worship on Saturday. Because can I tell you something? Let me, let me, let me tell you something. We live in a culture that does not respect God. It definitely does not respect rest. You just read the, the, the statistic that was there. It does not respect biblical principles. And so you know what the truth is? The truth is people want you to be open and working and operative seven days a week, 24 hours a day if possible. That's what they want. And so, I mean, you got to think about this, right? There's some things that are going to happen on your Sabbath, case in point. So, sometimes Marisol is on call. She, you still deliver, you're still in the delivery room with babies, right? Okay, no. Well, she used to be. Livers now, okay, well, well, I guess liver transplants would happen as well. No matter what, there's some things that are going to happen on Sunday and Saturday, right? And so the truth is, does that mean that she's breaking the Sabbath? Does that, does that mean that, oh my God. And so the truth, the truth that we have to realize is that when we're looking at the principles of the, of the Sabbath, how is it that we apply these? So here's the, here's the thing. First off, we must realize that we are not bound to keep the Sabbath day. Hear me. You're not bound to keep the Sabbath day. I firmly believe you should do everything that you can within your power to be present on Sunday. Why? Because that is the natural day for the church to gather together, to worship, to rest, to honor God. That's what should happen, right? Whether you're serving or in ministry, or whatever, that's the day, right, that you should be able to do that. And I also believe that you should sincerely, sincerely consider a holy, holy siesta. Especially if you're serving, right? Like you should, listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now, because of people's schedules, sometimes we have to have meetings on Sundays. And if it was up to me, I would sleep through those meetings. Hello. But I have to engage. I have to talk and stuff like that. But here's the thing. I do my best not to have meetings on Sunday because of what? Because there's a holy nap waiting for me, glory to God. There is a holy couple of hours where God said, son, I want you to rest. And I'm like, amen, Father. Thank you for loving me enough to create that atmosphere for the nap, right? Nice and cozy. Amen. Y'all feeling it? Don't fall asleep on me yet. We're almost done. We're almost done. 
But the reality is that you, should, that, that you have to apply the principles of Sabbath. You have to have that time of rest for what? For deeper worship, for renewed strength, for clear vision. Listen, when you pull away from work, when you pull away from things, listen, you can pray and you can seek God and say, Lord, these situations here, man, they're overwhelming. These situations here, I don't, I don't know how to address them or deal with them. And when you pull back, you know what you can do? You can get clarity. You can start to hear from the Lord. As we were in worship earlier this morning, right now, in, in this service, as we, as we were there, and I was just worshiping, I just heard the Spirit of God say, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. And why does that matter? Because that's apropos to the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is saying, be still. Don't try to work disconnect. Listen, get away. This is not just talking about when we're on Saturday or Sunday. For sure, shut off your phone. Yesterday was like the first time in forever on a Saturday that I didn't even look at my phone. I think I have like 18 notifications on Realm. Hello, somebody, right? People are talking about, hey, we're doing this. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about because I haven't looked at my phone. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because every day I'm, I'm connected, I'm connected, I'm connected. And, and wait a second, there's got to be a time that I disconnect. Hello, there's got to be a time that you disconnect, that you shut off. Listen, I believe it's like this. It's not just for that Saturday or Sunday or whatever day. But when you go on vacation, hey, disconnect too. You know what I want you to do? I challenge you. Don't check into anywhere you're going to eat. Don't, don't, don't post pictures on social media. Don't, do, don't give us the play-by-play. Do an album that says, hey, we had an amazing vacation. I didn't think about you once, but check out these pictures. Right? Because, you know, you'd be saying, oh, I missed you. You didn't miss me. You were having too much fun. You didn't even think about me when you were, you were away. Right? You want to people. The point of the matter is we have to disconnect. My wife was telling me about a statistic, a, a study they did the other day about people who sleep with their phone next to them or in another room. The people who sleep with the phone next to them, they, they have more difficulty falling asleep and they sleep worse. Hello, somebody. I still sleep next to my phone. But nonetheless, right? It's there, but, but I just, I, I'm just letting y'all know, so I struggle with sleep, but here's the deal, right? It's a fact in our house. She sleeps great. I'm like, I don't know why I can't fall asleep, but, but anyway, the point is, it's resting, right? So pulling away and saying, I'm going to rest, I'm going to have, that's the way you apply this principle. That's the way you do this. You apply this principle. That's the first thing, but here's, the, here's what I want you to understand. It's not a measure of your spirituality. The day you worship is not a measure of your spirituality. The fact that you worship, that determines your spirituality. And I'm, not, and I'm not discrediting the need for church. I already said that. I already made that argument. My point is, you need to be connected with the body. You need to worship together. It's a congregational thing. But what I'm trying to say is, man, if your schedule doesn't allow you to be here on Sunday, doesn't allow you to be in a church on Saturday, and there's no other options, and the only day that you can Sabbath is on a Tuesday morning with worship before God, and then you listen to a message online, if that's all you can do, man, I'm not going to judge you. I understand your situation is what it is. The reality is, you need to have that that time where you pull away and you get with God and do your best to connect with the body of Christ. The second thing is this, practicing the principle of Sabbath, I said I would talk about this, will lead us to a good work ethic. Understand this, we will work for six days devotedly, hard and faithfully and focused and then we look forward to one day of worship, of rest, of just deep devotion to the Lord. That's what should happen. Here's the thing, when you have a deadline, think about this now. When you have a deadline, you're much more focused, aren't you? 
When you know you have a paper that is due on such and such a day, you are focused, you are in because you're like, man, I have this deadline, and if I don't get this in, if, if I have something that has to get done, a project that needs to be finished, man, I'm working hard, I'm working extra. Listen, back in the days, it wasn't an eight to five, it was like a six to six type job, because from sun up to sundown, I mean, or sun, sunrise to sundown, these people were working hard, and so what I'm telling you is, listen, you should come to day seven ready for rest. Hello, somebody. You should be focused, and you should be like, man, this time, that's why I always say when you're at work, man, you're working. You're not texting. You're not social media stuff. You're not doing any of that kind of stuff while you're at work. While you are at work, it is a sacred, sacred time because the Sabbath teaches you you're going to have time to rest. Listen, it's just like working out. Whenever we work out at the gym, they always tell us this. They're at the last like round, like when you're dead, they're like, guess what? You get to rest when this is done. When that clock finishes, you get to rest all you want. Right now, it's time for work. It's not time for rest. Right? That's what they tell you. Right? So if you have a 12-minute workout, guess what? At the end of 12 minutes, you can rest all day if you want. I mean, it depends on your schedule. But the, the fact of the matter is, right now in these 12 minutes, it's not time to rest. It's, it's time for you to work hard. And so what the Sabbath does is it disciplines us. When I say, you know what? I don't have Saturday or I don't have Sunday to finish that project. You know what it's going to make me do? Stay up late on Monday. Stay up late on Tuesday. Stay up late on Wednesday. Stay up late on Thursday. Stay up late on Friday. Stay up late on Saturday. And guess what? Sunday, I'm not staying up late. Hello. Because I've done everything I can, and guess what? Monday's going to come, and I can stay up late then. Hello, somebody. I can work, but I have to have a time that I pull away, and I say, okay, God, this is how I'm going to do this. Lastly, the Sabbath, it foreshadowed Jesus. We're not going to read this scripture, but write it down. Hebrews 4, 1 through 10. The Sabbath foreshadowed Jesus being our ultimate rest. This is beautiful. Jesus was and is the ultimate rest for us because we come to him and we experience rest, we experience peace, we experience a life that only we can experience in his presence. Amen? He is that peace. And here's what happens. When I, when I am in the presence of God, in the peace of God, you know what I have? I have a, I have a firm identity. I'm not striving for an identity. I'm not striving to prove myself in the workplace. I'm not striving to prove myself in all of these other areas because what? Because I found rest. You see, no longer, you know, when you think about it, like I, I use it in these terms, um, you know, when you are a single person, typically as a single person, you know, you're, unless you're crazy, um, you're typically, I'm just joking, um, you're typically, you know, very conscious about your hygiene, right? You make sure you look right because someone may be looking at you of the opposite sex that you may want to attract, and you want to make sure you look good, right? I'm just saying, like, anyway. That was me. But all, all, that, all that said, I want to make sure I look right, right? I want to, I want to make sure. And, and so now you'll notice something that happens, and this is sad. But then you get married. And suddenly, right, you let things go. Hello. You're not, you're not so concerned about looking good because guess what? You already caught the fish. Hello. I'm not saying this is right. This is just reality. I didn't say this is right. I'm just telling you what happens is I'm not walking around like every day like, man, I got to look my best because Elaine might walk out on me. She ain't walking out. We, we married. Hello, somebody. Right? Like we have a covenant, glory to God. She sees me with my hair messed up. No, she don't because I got no hair. But nonetheless, right, she sees me when I wake up in the morning. She, I mean, all that. And so the, the, the reality is there's a certain level of identity that's there because of this relationship. Can I tell you something? I found rest in that relationship. Right? I found Sabbath in her heart. 
And it's the same thing with God in Christ. I find Sabbath in him. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I have an identity. I'm a son that is loved by the Father. I'm I'm one that is worth, I have value because of what Jesus has done for me. And he shows me that over and over. And that becomes a beautiful thing. We live from that place of rest. And so I'm closing here. But while, we, while the day that we Sabbath is not set in stone, the principles of the Sabbath are, and they are for our good. Listen, we have to have rest. We have to have time that we rest. We have to have time that we work hard, but we have to have time that we rest. We have to, that's, listen, this is biblical work-life balance. Hello. Is that we work hard. But then we also rest well and we worship him. Because here's what happens, and hear this. When we commit to honoring God in, our area, in the area of rest, we demonstrate our trust in his provision and his sovereignty. Did you hear that? See, when I apply the principle of Sabbath, what I'm saying is, you know what, God? I can't work any harder. You're going to have to do the rest. You're the provider. I'm not. If I work seven days, I work myself to the ground. But guess what? You are provider God. And I trust your plan. And I trust your sovereignty. You're in control. See, because when I walk away from the church, when I say that, like I walk away and I turn the phone off and all that kind of stuff, man, if this church blows up, guess what? It's his church, not mine anyway. Plus, there's other pastors that can take phone calls. Hallelujah. (laughs) I thank God for that. But here's the thing. Even if it was just me alone, I have to trust who? And if I don't rest, hear me when I say this. If you don't rest, you know what you show? You don't trust him. If you don't rest, you show you don't really believe he's sovereign. If you can't shut off, if you can't turn it away, if you can't get away from it, you don't trust him. Are you here? And so my closing question is this. Are you committed to practicing the Sabbath principles? Are you committed to that work-rest relationship? Are you committed to honoring God even in your rest? And if you're not, You have to make that choice to say, God, I want to do it your way, not my way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the reminder that our rest demonstrates our trust in you. Our rest demonstrates that we believe you're sovereign. We believe you're faithful. We believe that you are the provider. And today, I just pray for us. I pray for those in here that needed to hear that word, be still and know that you are God. I pray that they and I would be able to trust that you are God, that in our stillness that we can know your love, that we can know your power, that we can know your truth, that we can know you deeper. I pray, God, that you would strengthen my brothers and my sisters to really live, to work hard, God, but to rest well also. I pray, Lord, that you be with us in this week, that we would consider and that we would be focused in on being as fruitful as we can but that we would trust all the results in your hands, God. We thank you for this. We give you all the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, come on and give the Lord a hand of praise.